I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I've developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. Today we're reading Ezekiel chapters 9 through 12. This is the new King James Version of the podcast. The King James Version is also available. In chapter 9, we see some issue with some idolaters. Verse 1, Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a rider's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub, where it had been, to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed with linen, who had the rider's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it. To the others he said, in my hearing, Go after him through the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women. But do not come near anyone on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple." Then he said to them, Defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. So it was that while they were killing them, I was left alone, and I fell on my face and cried out and said, Ah, Lord God, will you destroy all the remnant of Israel in pouring out your fury on Jerusalem? Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversity. For they say... The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. And as for me also, my eye will neither spare nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Just then the man clothed with linen, who had the inkhorn at his side, reported back and said, I have done as you commanded me. This prophecy is a continuation of the one which Ezekiel began before the leaders of the exile in Ezekiel chapter 8. The next part of Ezekiel's vision is distressing, well, at best. He sees the execution of the idolaters back in Jerusalem. Those who are true to God are spared with a mark, but the rest are executed. While it would ultimately be the army of Babylon to take Jerusalem, Ezekiel's making it clear that it's God's judgment that will be responsible for that devastation. You'll notice in verse 4 that those, I quote, men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done within it, end quote, were given the mark that spared them from being slain in Ezekiel's vision. According to verse 7, not even the temple would be a sanctuary from death. Of course, the Babylonians would be the ones to carry out this mission of death, and they had no regard for the temple in Jerusalem whatsoever. It's chilling to see God's attitude toward those Jews who had turned their backs on him in this passage. Verses 9 and 10 sum it up. It says, Then he said to me, The iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great, and the land is full of bloodshed, and the city full of perversity. For they say, The Lord has forsaken the land, and the Lord does not see. 
And as for me also, my eye will neither spare, nor will I have pity, but I will recompense their deeds on their own head. Then we see in chapter 10 of Ezekiel the departure of God's glory, verse 1. And I looked, and there in the firmament that was above the head of the cherubim, there appeared something like a sapphire stone, having the appearance of the likeness of a throne. Then he spoke to the man clothed with linen, and said, Go in among the wheels under the cherub, fill your hands with coals of fire from among the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he went in as I watched. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the temple when the man went in, and the cloud filled the inner court. Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub and paused over the threshold of the temple, and the house was filled with the cloud, and the court was full of the brightness of the Lord's glory. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard even in the outer court, like the voice of Almighty God when He speaks. Then it happened when He commanded the man clothed in linen, saying, Take fire from among the wheels, from among the cherubim, that he went in and stood beside the wheels. And the cherub stretched out his hand from among the cherubim to the fire that was among the cherubim, and took some of it and put it into the hands of the man clothed with linen, who took it and went out. The cherubim appeared to have the form of a man's hand under their wings. And when I looked, there were four wheels by the cherubim, one wheel by one cherub and another wheel by each other cherub. The wheels appeared to have the color of barrel stone." As for their appearance, all four looked alike, as it were a wheel in the midst of a wheel. When they went, they went toward any of their four directions. They did not turn aside when they went, but followed in the direction the head was facing. They did not turn aside when they went. And their whole body, with their back, their hands, their wings, and the wheels that the four had were full of eyes all around. As for the wheels, they were called in my hearing, wheel." Each one had four faces. The first face was the face of a cherub, the second face the face of a man, the third the face of a lion, and the fourth the face of an eagle. And the cherubim were lifted up. This was the living creature I saw by the river Kibar. When the cherubim went, the wheels went beside them. And when the cherubim lifted their wings to mount up from the earth, those same wheels also did not turn from beside them. When the cherubim stood still, the wheels stood still, and when one was lifted up, the other lifted itself up, for the spirit of the living creature was in them. Then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And the cherubim lifted their wings and mounted up from the earth in my sight. When they went out, the wheels were beside them, and they stood at the door of the east gate of the Lord's house, and the glory of the God of Israel was above them." This is the living creature I saw under the God of Israel by the river Kibar, and I knew they were cherubim. Each one had four faces, and each one had four wings, and the likeness of the hands of a man was under their wings. And the likeness of their faces was the same as the faces which I had seen by the river Kibar, their appearance and their persons. They each went straight forward. Well, Ezekiel sees those glorious creatures again while he's at the temple in Jerusalem. Well, in a vision he's there. These are the same creatures that he saw back in Ezekiel chapter 1. We see Ezekiel's identification of these creatures as cherubim, meaning, in other words, angels. We see that reference in verses 15 and 20, where he also refers back to his vision of them in chapter 1. The significant aspect of this chapter is the fact that the glory of the Lord departs from the temple and it's transported away with these heavenly creatures. That's in verses 18 and 19. 
the glory finally departs because of the wickedness of Israel and Judah. Now remember that Ezekiel sees this happen in a vision from way over in Babylon. In his vision, the glory of the Lord departs from the temple in the same sensational fashion as when it had inhabited it at the dedication under Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses 1 through 3, also recorded in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 10 and 11. This glory of the Lord is frequently referred to as the Shekinah glory. If you want to know more about the Shekinah glory, I've written an article under the topic section of BibleTrack.org. You can read it there, or there's a link on the written notes for today. Then we read about meat in a cauldron in Ezekiel chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to the east gate of the Lord's house, which faces eastward, and there at the door of the gate were twenty-five men, among whom I saw Jaazaniah the son of Azur, and Pelatiah the son of Benaiah, princes of the people. And he said to me, Son of man, these are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city, who say, The time is not near to build houses. This city is the cauldron, and we are the meat." Therefore prophesy against them, prophesy, O son of man. Then the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said to me, Speak, thus says the Lord. Thus you have said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind. You have multiplied your slain in the city, and you have filled its streets with the slain. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Your slain whom you have laid in its midst, they are the meat, and this city is the cauldron." But I shall bring you out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword, and I will bring a sword upon you, says the Lord God. And I will bring you out of its midst, and deliver you into the hands of strangers, and execute judgments on you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you at the border of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in its midst. I will judge you at the border of Israel." And you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor executed my judgments, but have done according to the customs of the Gentiles, which are all around you. Now it happened, while I was prophesying, that Pelatiah the son of Benaiah died. Then I fell on my face and cried with a loud voice and said, Ah, Lord God, will you make a complete end of the remnant of Israel? Well, here's a cooking pot metaphor. Ezekiel gets a vision of the wicked leaders of Jerusalem meeting at the gate. He even names some of them by name in verse 1. These are likely the same men who were giving Jeremiah fits back in, uh, in Jerusalem, according to verse 2, where it says there, These are the men who devise iniquity and give wicked counsel in this city. The elders of a city met at the gate to do their business, the business of the city, so how safe is meat in a cauldron? Well, not very. These leaders in verses 8 through 11 are seen by Ezekiel in his vision being removed from the city and executed. In fact, that happened to these mischievous Jewish leaders in 2 Kings chapter 25, verses 18 through 21. Then Ezekiel sees a future restoration in verses 14 through 25, verse 14. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, your brethren, your relatives, your countrymen, and all the house of Israel in its entirety are those about whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Get far away from the Lord. This land has been given to us as a possession. Therefore say, Thus says the Lord God, 
although I have cast them far off among the Gentiles, and although I have scattered them among the countries, yet I shall be a little sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples, assemble you from the countries where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel. And they will go there, and they will take away all its detestable things and all its abominations from there. Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. But as for those whose hearts follow the desire for their detestable things and their abominations, I will recompense their deeds on their own heads, says the Lord God. So the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the God of Israel was high above them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city and stood on the mountain, which is on the east side of the city. Then the Spirit took me up and brought me in a vision by the Spirit of God unto Chaldea, to those in captivity. And the vision that I had seen went up from me. So I spoke to those in captivity of all the things that the Lord had shown me. So who are the fortunate ones here? Those left in Jerusalem or those who had been exiled with Ezekiel to Babylon? Well, Ezekiel's vision reveals that the exiles would be the ones to comprise the remnant of Israel. He confirms the new covenant in Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, as he talks about the return of Jews, their change of heart, and the future glory of Israel. Then the heavenly creatures are gone from Jerusalem altogether, taking the glory of God with them. So, is this return in Ezekiel's vision the return under Cyrus in 535 B.C., or is it a yet future millennium? Well, notice verses 19 and 20. Those verses say, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them, and take the stony heart out of their flesh, and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep my judgments, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Now these, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, with regard to Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, the new covenant, these are new covenant characteristics of the return mentioned here, and they would seem to be a description of the yet future millennium, not really what took place in 535 B.C. Now, if you'd like to know more about the new covenant, then read Hebrews 8 regarding the provisions of the new covenant, and it'll also take you back to Jeremiah 31. Ezekiel tells us in verse 25 that he went to the exiles in Babylon and told them the details of this prophecy. In Ezekiel chapter 12, we see Jerusalem's captivity and destruction. Now, I know we've seen this a lot before, but here is yet another prophet talking in advance, prophesying the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see, and ears to hear, but does not hear, for they are a rebellious house. Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity, and go into captivity by day in their sight. You shall go from your place into captivity to another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are a rebellious house. By day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight, as though going into captivity. And at evening you shall go in their sight, like those who go into captivity. 
Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings out through it. In their sight you shall bear them on your shoulders and carry them out at twilight. You shall cover your face so that you cannot see the ground. For I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. So I did as I was commanded. I brought out my belongings by day as though going into captivity. And at evening I dug through the wall with my hand. I brought them out at twilight and I bore them on my shoulder in their sight. And in the morning the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, This burden concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are among them. Say, I am assigned to you. As I have done, so shall it be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. And the prince who is among them shall bear his belongings on his shoulder at twilight and go out. They shall dig through the wall to carry them out through it. He shall cover his face so that he cannot see the ground with his eyes. I will also spread my net over him, and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. I will scatter to every wind all who are around him to help him and all his troops, and I will draw out the sword after them." Then they shall know that I am the Lord when I scatter them among the nations and disperse them throughout the countries. But I will spare a few of their men from the sword, from famine, and from pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the Gentiles wherever they go. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, eat your bread with quaking, and drink your water with trembling and anxiety." And say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord God to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the land of Israel, They shall eat their bread with anxiety and drink their water with dread, so that her land may be emptied of all who are in it because of the violence of all those who dwell in it. Then the cities that are inhabited shall be laid waste, and the land shall become desolate, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, what is this proverb that you people have about the land of Israel, which says the days are prolonged and every vision fails? Tell them therefore, thus says the Lord God, I will lay this proverb to rest, and they shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, the days are at hand, and the fulfillment of every vision. For no more shall there be any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel." For I am the Lord, I speak, and the word which I speak will come to pass. It will no more be postponed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will say the word and perform it, says the Lord God. Again the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, look, the house of Israel is saying, The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed any more, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. Well, this vision is a continuation of the session that began back in chapter 8. What is that prophet up to now, the people must have asked. Well, he's seen packing his bags and leaving by day, but returning, digging through his own wall upon his return by night. What's up with that? God tells him to explain to them what it all means when they get around to asking. As it turns out, this is a prophecy concerning the capture, blinding, and deportation of King Zedekiah back in Jerusalem, along with the others who are not killed or otherwise escape the sword. 
That's the gruesome reality of verse 13 concerning Zedekiah. It says, I will also spread my net over him, and he shall be caught in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, though he shall die there. King Zedekiah did try to escape Jerusalem, but was captured. The last thing that King Zedekiah witnessed before being blinded by the Babylonians was the murder of his children right before his eyes. Second Kings chapter 25, verses 1 through 21, and Second Chronicles 36, verses 17 to 21 record that. Ezekiel saw this coming, and he prophesied these events to the exiles. Verses 17 to 26 are designed to display the eminent nature of Ezekiel's vision regarding the ultimate fall of Jerusalem. Ezekiel's audience tried to convince themselves that none of his prophecies would come true, that Ezekiel never got it right. In verse 22, we see that. Obviously, Ezekiel was having a little difficulty getting respect. Again, remember, all of this was prophesied from way over in Babylon before Jerusalem actually fell to the Babylonians. God gives Ezekiel his reply to these skeptics in verse 28 when he says, Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord God, None of my words will be postponed anymore, but the word which I speak will be done, says the Lord God. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Faith Bible Church, Paul Walton.